It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 166 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the Leon Edwards head kick to Kramara Usman's pound-for-pound status, Nick John Braccia the third handsome Nikolai. Man, Woo! we're going to break down UFC 286, Edwards versus Usman 3. Pretty solid card overall. And Nick, it's a 15-fight fight, uh, fight card. We have a lot to go through. And then we have the Mirab Devashvili dominant one-sided beating over Piotr Yan, which we can hopefully discuss on the back end as long as we have enough time for it. I'm trying to make this a 60-minute show if we can pull that off. Nick? How are you, buddy? Figure out a UFC for my... Let me talk about this. Like, I'm um, the road with Megan Dream. The, the UFC is doing a card, if you will, <laughs> in England. <laughs> okay, I'll stop that. All right. In England, what do they got? They got no Molly McCann. They got no Patty Pimblett. They got no Darren Till. They got no old Michael Bisping coming in, putting his good eye in, and popping back in the <laughs> ring. <laughs> the fight. What it, like... How do they get none of their stars on this card? They got Leon Edwards, but like, you never see the, the English fans going nuts for Leon Edwards the way they do for those. No, other that's guys. true. But now, with how do they, being champion? Maybe they will. Oh, I, I love Leon Edwards, but I'm just like, how do they book without their three fan favorites? How do they book this? I guess it's in London versus uh, versus Liverpool or Manchester. Maybe I don't know, but it's like it's interesting that, that they're doing they're doing a card out there without any of their, uh, you know. Fan favorite moneymaker. Yeah, there's something about Leon Edwards between his like the way that he speaks, where he's very just very, kind of almost semi monotone, just very low energy. The way he fights, which is let's face it, not the most exciting thing in the world, right? When he's winning, things are moving pretty slow, pretty low uh, output, and and like the lisp probably doesn't help either. Unfortunately, Leon Edwards. Is I didn't like, even realize he had a lisp. Yeah, he has a little bit of a lisp, but but you know, a badass like him can pull it off certainly. But that's the thing; like, you're not going to be a star based on those things, like. Like uh, Michael Bisping was dynamic. He's he's a superstar. He's got a personality. Who are the other British stars? Outspoken. Yes. Yeah, outspoken to say the least. He was controversial too. Leon Edwards, not controversial. Doesn't do a whole lot. The biggest thing he's ever done was the head kick over Kamaru Usman. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to breaking that fight down. I think like we're talking about a potentially a different Kamaru Usman, uh, a different dynamic, not at elevation, with Le- in Leon Edwards' back uh, backyard, essentially, right in his hometown where he's going to have the support. And I would tend to think Leon Edwards' star power came up quite a bit once he landed that head kick. Uh, it became like a huge, huge deal. And I would imagine in England it was a gigantic deal with Leon Edwards being only the second and the only one currently from Britain to hold the UFC title. Plus, he's a poor guy's champion, and he's a plus two ten underdog. Yeah, you're not kidding, right? There might be a. There might he left. He left Usman looking up at the heavens, not knowing where he was. Knocked him silly. That he did. Plus two ten underdog. That, that, that was almost like a semi like Dusty Rhodes, but like without uh, without the lisp and the. That was that was just that was just me. If I, that was just you talking. The the making three, daddy. I'm into it, Nick. I, I support it, and, and, and I'm glad you that you're fuck bringing... it like a monkey. <laughs> you're a goddamn character. Still, I will say your Australian accent uh, beats every other goddamn thing you've ever done on the show. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just high-level stuff, Nick. It, just... Some guy went into a wrestling convention, went went uh, into a Ric Flair room where he was signing autographs, dressed as Dusty, and cut a Dusty promo on him. It was really great. That sounds like something worth listening to. 
But Nicola, in yeah. the meantime, we do have a card to get into. Uh, by the way, Nick, congratulations. You edged me by a point in the last event, even though I got more picks Come correct. back, kid. Even though I got, oh, well, actually, we got the same number of picks correct, but you edged me by a point. Nick, we are now at 26, to you, uh, 26 of your points to 27 of mine. Nick, I was like, I think, seven or eight points ahead, and you brought it within one. It is impressive stuff. Smart picking, baby. I, I, those I, underdogs. I, I those underdogs help me. Uh, yeah, the, I don't Thanks. know. I, I think the the rare underdog. A couple of a, a couple of them a couple of underdogs. You you also, if I may speak, it may may be so bold, Stan, and I don't want you to change your strategy because I'm going to beat you. Please. Is um, my underdogs have you know, not been did, hitting? No, you did, but you also you didn't get slutty like last year. You got slutty with the underdogs when she would take in a big. Like when she would take in a pretty substantial lead, right? You're like rolling the dice. You're rolling the dice on a lot of dogs here, and you and I both do the same thing. And this is going to be a real challenge, uh, at least for me, picking today. Probably you also. There are some odds that, in my opinion, are wildly askew. Yeah, wildly askew, which leaves the opportunity for us to collect big points. But the odds being wildly askew, and me believing that the underdog is actually going to win, are two different things. Yeah, it's easy to be I it's agree. easy to be drawn to those fat numbers, um, and that's going to be the challenge with today's picks because I, there's some stuff that's really weird. The strangest thing I saw, this had to be a mistake. Where, which fight was it? Oh, the, the, um, there there were like just crazy odds in this one fight, but no other book had it anywhere close to that. I forget which fight yes. it was. Yes, yeah, somebody was at like uh, it was like minus seven hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember which it was. It must be a mistake, maybe whether it be on uh, on best fight odds or on on the actual like, like the actual sport book messed it up. I guess there's a chance that somebody on that sports book bet the other way so heavy, um, or bet for the bet on the favorite so heavy that it just turned up those odds through the roof. But in any case, Nikolai, we've got some fights to break down, and we all know how it works. We each take turns picking fighters on the upcoming card. A winning fighter with close odds gets you one point. A winning underdog of plus one fifty to plus 249 gets you two points you pick an underdog of plus 250 or above you score three points on that one picnic so again this is uh this is like our way of making this competition more competitive in case one of us takes a big lead and for the record the reason i've been taking these wingers on these big underdogs nick is because i want it to be more competitive i think it's more interesting this way we're one point apart now wait wait are you you're you, wait, you're saying you let me catch up? No, no, no. no. It's not that I let you. It's not that I let you catch up. It's that I was a little bit more loose with my picks uh, because I was ahead, and I felt like, what's the worst that could happen? We get close, and this becomes more interesting. I want this to be competitive, Nick. Me drowning you by. I don't 17, need your pity. Me drowning you by. I don't need 17, your pity picks. I hear you. Me drowning you by 17 plus picks last season, Nick. You know, it just feels too easy. Uh, I am. I'm like Kumara Usman in the fifth round of my rematch with Leon Edwards. And, You're uh, talking a big guy <laughs> who has not out, who has not a, a big game for a guy who hasn't out, has not outpicked me in about five weeks. Nick, you're still not ahead, bud. I'm still ahead. I'm just saying, I'm still ahead. Don't talk all that trash. Don't do this, Nick. Has the trash talk worked for you in the past? I don't know if it has. But having said that, now that I'm talking this trash, Nick, you better believe you're probably going to get the lead on me next event, and I'm excited by that challenge. Let's do this, brother. Um, you have the you. <laughs> you have the first pick this time. What's going to be your first pick? I buddy? do. I have the first pick, huh? I believe that. Um, I believe that you do. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, there's a. I mean, there's a couple of, I think, fights that seem, uh, fairly, fairly obvious. 
Yep. Um, hmm. You take your time. This is only the first pick. It's not like you should have been yeah, prepping this well, podcast at all. <laughs> I I did prep, and I, I decided that the first pick that I believed in, I'm I'm no longer. Oh. Uh, oh. I'm no longer gonna pick. It's like that. Uh, yeah, I'm. I am going to go with uh, Mohamed Makayev to defeat Hafel Filo. That's all you got to say about this fight. Uh, did I get their names right? Uh, close enough. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> Actually, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if it's Jafel Fio or Hafel Fio. Hafel. Probably Hafel, yeah. He's a Brazilian man after all. It's Hafel. Nikolai, uh, what is your reason for yeah, this? I'll, you, I'll, I'll let you break this one down. Yeah, fair enough. I, I don't blame you. So, Makayev, we've all seen him, right? The guy's got pretty good offensive wrestling, but he's shown some holes. He lost that second round to Malcolm Gordon, who's also another fighter on this card, um, because, you know, Malcolm Gordon was able to get top position. He makes some mistakes in there. The guy is clearly talented, but he's very young, and he's early in his MMA career, and the UFC is treating him like a very serious prospect. They're treating him like a Khabib if they knew that Khabib was something special very early on in his UFC career. And, uh, and I don't think he's no Khabib, but he's a talented young man. He's got a lot of amateur experience, and he's been doing pretty well in the pros. And it's nice to see him honestly fight through some tough moments because you don't, you know, sometimes you get these prospects coming up and they're just mowing through everybody, and you never get to see whether they have heart, whether, they, whether, they're, whether they're able to come back and, and do well after losing a round. And not only did Makayev do well against Gordon after losing a round, he submitted him in that third round of their fight, uh, even though they were one on one going into it. And Philo is a good striker, but it's takedown defense excuse me he's a good striker his takedown defense and get up game are not good enough and for that reason you got to go with Makayev so I'm there with you I think this is a rightly an early pick my first pick is going to be in the matchup between Jack Shore and Makwan Amerikani the book is written on Makwan and I've been saying it for ages before I think the rest of the MMA world realized it and I cashed in on him uh, on, on some underdogs that were facing him in the past that's no longer the case. He's a plus 380 underdog in this one. Jack Shore at minus 500. Jack Shore is a pretty serious prospect in, in this division. He's When it comes to the Brits, right, he's one of those guys. He's probably got maybe a, a, a bigger name in this sport uh, in the sport than does Leon Edwards up until that head kick because people really, local people really enjoyed him, really, really liked him. Got wins over Timur Valuev, uh, Ludovic Shalonyan. Uh, not a, not a high-level opponent, don't get me wrong, but... Aaron, uh, Aaron, Aaron Phillips is also not, not, uh, not, not Kyler Phillips, who, who I was thinking of earlier. But more importantly, he is, he, the, the team of value I've won was extremely impressive. The guy's got phenomenal boxing. Um, he does really well with it with his high output. He lost to Ricky Simone, who seems to be at the very top of his game. He was 16-0, though, going into that matchup. And he's the kind of guy that gets stronger over the course of a fight. He has a really high MMA IQ. And I think Makwan Amerikani, who... Does pretty well early against like mid mid to mid to upper mid level competition, and then starts to fall apart as soon as his cardio wears out on him. Mentally, he's not very strong. He's not able to persevere through tough moments. Makwan Amerikani, if he can keep a competitor for two or three minutes, that'll be his his best day. Um, odds are he's not going to just explode and get uh, Jack Shore out of there. I think Jack Shore just picks up the level of dominance over the course of the first several minutes of this fight. And as long as he's on his A game and his confidence is not affected, he should finish Makwan Armikani in the second or third round. Uh, I'm with you on that. I also solved the problem of the typing. That's great. I appreciate do you. you, do you how du- no. Yeah. Do you want to know how dumb I am, Stan? I mean, I have a pretty good idea, but tell me, please. I've been <laughs> thinking that I've been doing it correctly because I mute Zoom. 
Oh man, Nikolai. I've been like, I always click and mute Zoom, and I'm like, that's weird that it shows up. <laughs> Only just now did I realize I have to mute my microphone. Yes. Because it's the recording is on my end. That's right. Nick, Nick you, you do have a mute button on your microphone, don't you? I do. I ju- yeah, it's, it's staring right at me. It says mute. Should we spend another nine or ten minutes on this, or are you ready to make your next pick? Oh, I, I mean, I think, our, I think our listeners, I thought you would want to know right away. But what I'm going to do is I am going to slide in to a wild pick, uh-huh. possibly an irresponsible pick. Tell me more. But I am going to go for three, count them, one, two, three points. Uh-huh. I am going to go with my man, Bam Bam, Brian Barberina. To defeat Gunnar Nelson. I think that Nelson is not terrific under pressure. Yes, Barbarina is easy to take down and Nelson can submit people. But I think that Barbarina is really strong and that his level of pressure game and his power are going to upset Nelson. I think that Barbarina, even though he's, he's, he took this fight late, I think he knows what to do. I think he knows that he has to keep distance, that he has to not throw so many kicks um, and jab. But you're talking about a guy with one of the high, with an incredibly high striking output against a guy with a low striking output, and I think that Barbarina's pressure, sh- like I see him, uh, Gunnar Nelson also has not been like that active, and I see the swarming ability and the power of Barbarina making Nelson really uncomfortable. Of course, if this was straight and the odds weren't what they were, I would probably pick Gunnar Nelson to submit him, similarly to the way RDA did. But with the opportunity to pick up three points on this, because I think the odds are a bit out of whack, I don't think Gunnar Nelson has earned uh, has earned these odds. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Barbarina for the big three. Nick, as a guy who's behind on points pretty consistently, I think you're making the right call, man. For three points, you got to take the swing. The thing about Nelson is that as much as he's hailed as a good grappler, and he is a good grappler, he's an experienced grappler, he's got some pretty impressive wins on his record, he's also got a shitload of losses in the UFC, man. His UFC record is not that impressive. It's 9-5. and five. Now, granted, the majority of those five losses are to, you know, elite or close to elite level competition. Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, Santiago Ponzinibbio, Damian Maya, you know, in 2015 when Damian Maya was a really good fighter, and Rick Story prior to that. His wins are over Takashi Sato, super low-level fighter. Uh, Alex Oliveira, a guy who did really well in the first round, got submitted in the second round like Alex Oliveira usually does. Alan Ben toward the end of his career. He got him by guillotine choke. Albert Tumanov, who, by the way, is a good fighter and should probably still be in the UFC, um, he did end up submitting him in the second round, but that was back in 2016. He is not consistent, man. He is, if you look at his record, 1-2 and two in his last three fights. He is 2-3 and three in his last five fights. He's not a consistent fighter, and you can't expect him to keep bringing wins in here. Um, and Brian Barberina is a guy who's going to be scrappy. He's going to work his way through tough moments and, and keep throwing at a high output. problem is that takedown defense is not great, and I guess the guy who's really going to control him and grapple well against him, he's not going to do well. But you can't rely on Gunnar Nelson to show up at his best self at all times. So I think you're making the right swing, all being equal. I'm going to give, again, the slightest edge to Gunnar Nelson, but these odds are astronomical, so I think you're making the right call in taking advantage of them. My next pick is going to be. I mean to say, I'm glad I have your goddamn approval, Nick. When you when you have pick. my approval on a, on a dog pick or something like that, it works out. 
when I have your approval on a dog pick, dude, I should change my mind. Like, as soon as you say, oh, I was going to make that pick, I should immediately go, all right, I'm going to change my mind. Because, <laughs> dude, it never works out. Whenever I take a pick that you were really feeding for, it never works out for me. Nick, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Laurel Murphy and Gabriel Santos. Gabriel Santos is a 10-0 guy, LFA champion, took this on a week notice, though. He's a good grappler, pretty good wrestling. He's gritty and super, super tough. But Murphy, man, he's super sharp just about everywhere. He's really technical. He's got really good MMA IQ. The problem with him is that he doesn't have the highest output, and he's coming off of a long layoff in this situation. And so, like, what was the layoff for? I know he pulled out of at least one UFC fight. What was that layoff for? Is he? Is it constant injuries? Dude's undefeated. Came in in his UFC debut, and honestly, after a after a a, a losing first round against Zubair Tuhugov, took over in the second and third round, and, and like. Pieced him up, beat Ricardo Hamos, beat Douglas Silva de Andrade, and then beat Makwan Armikani. This is not the elite of the elite, but these are good, like, mid-level guys. Not Makwan Armikani, maybe, but Douglas Silva de Andrade is super dangerous. Ricardo Hamos is super dangerous, very dynamic. Um, I think that there's reason to believe in Lerone Murphy in this matchup, given that uh, the takedown offense of his opponent is probably not good enough to take advantage of that potential opening for an elite fighter. Gabriel Santos is not ready for this level. This is 11-0 and 1 versus 10-0. Somebody's O has got to go, and I think it's going to be Santos's. Did you make that up? Somebody's O has got to go? Yeah, I just, just called that in this moment. Is that, yeah, that's it. No, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's ever used that at all. It's not a cliche whatsoever, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go... Pick up some point, another some points from another uh, another dog here. I'm gonna clean, take you to the cleaners. I think I know which one this is. Go ahead. I am going to pick former Invicta champion Jennifer Maya to beat Casey O'Neill. I like O'Neill a lot, but I think that Maya is still tough. And like, let us not forget that if I'm if my memory is correct, has O'Neill fought since she like. Barely squeaked by Roxanne Mataferi. She hasn't fought since then, but I don't know if I'd say barely squeaked by. She did get some trouble. Oh, mm, I thought that uh, I thought that Roxy landed a lot of shots. I thought that was a very very competitive fight. She outlanded Roxy by a good margin, like almost close to two to one, I think overall. I'm gonna look at the stats real quick, but keep going. Tell me more. Um, I think uh, Roxy's got the grappling game too, but I think I think Maya is just is very very good all around and is is pretty strong. Um, I think it's just very weird that she's such an under that she's a uh, you know a two point underdog here at plus one fifty five and plus one fifty. Um, O'Neill's still green, like she's still young and still make makes mistakes. And Maya's a very savvy veteran. Maya also has um, this added. I think uh, motivation because like, sure. She, she had a, you know, she had a good round or two against Shevchenko, but she's looking at a new champion in Alexa Grasso and probably likes what she sees as far as a potential matchup. It's new. It's fresh at the top. And um, I don't think we've seen that before. We haven't seen Grasso Maya, have we? No, we haven't. So, I, I think my you know if Maya's going to go for one last title shot right at her age, like this is it, and I think this could be one of those, um, you know, one of those learning losses for a young, very young fighter like Casey O'Neill. Yeah, I tend to think you're right. Casey O'Neill 
has got like she's she's honestly very sharp. She's got really good head movement, good hands, not very fast, but really good technique when it comes to her kickboxing game overall. Really mature, especially for a fighter with her kind of limited experience level. But you're right. Uh, I mean, look, was it a somewhat competitive? Were there competitive moments against Roxanne Matafari? Yes, but she outstruck her. 229 to 120 when it comes to significant strikes. 230 to 148 when it comes to total strikes. She clearly outstruck her, right? Now, one judge gave it the other way, and that's a, I don't know if that judge is like friends with some of the local Vegas fighters or, or, or something like that, but Roxanne Matafari got pieced up in that second round. But, 86. But Roxy usually, mm-hmm. but she usually wins rounds with control. She uses her striking to get to, get to control. Yeah, and she um, got, she got uh, five seconds of control credit for that second round. And got outstruck 86 to 35. More than double. There's no reason why Roxanne Matafari should have won that second round. And one judge gave it to her. That makes no sense. Now, third round, maybe there's a little more of a uh, more of an argument. Because Roxy had one minute of control. But she got outstruck 71 to 41 when it comes to significant strikes. It was closer when you count strikes overall. So maybe you can give that third round to Roxanne Matafari. But part of like my argument here is that Casey O'Neill landed 230 of 395 strikes. The girl's got good cardio, even though she started to slow down later in that fight, to be fair. And I know Roxy's super tough. So is Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya has good takedowns. Casey O'Neill can be taken down. Jennifer Maya is really sharp on the feet and honestly might be a little bit faster than Casey O'Neill. So I agree with you. I think this is a great pick. I'm more, much more supportive of this pick than I am of your last underdog pick. And, and I'm a little bit disappointed that you got it first. I think this is the right pick. I think there's real opportunity on Jennifer Maya and Jennifer Maya by decision. Um, I'm going to quickly look up these odds because I think this is worth an investment. Um, this fight, in all, all, all likelihood, excuse me, is going to decision. And if you can nab Maya, let me see. She's plus 150 regularly. Maya, by decision, is plus 225. Uh, you can get her in a couple of sports books. That is a pretty good bet to make. I just want to say that leaving, making a pick that leaves you feeling disappointed actually gives me a sexual charge. I want nothing to do with you getting a sexual charge at all. So that's another disappointing thing that's happening in this moment right now. And then it just, now I'm, now I'm even more turned on. <laughs> You're an animal, Nick. Um, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get into my, you, you know, we probably have some adolescent listeners, Nick. You should behave yourself. I have students who there's a chance they might be listening to this right now, Nick. And they're, and they're hearing you speak oh. in this manner, in this, in this unsavory manner. Nick, well, my, hopefully they haven't, they haven't seen your episode of to catch a predator. I don't know what you're talking about, sir. <laughs> I'm going to deny that until you prove it. Nick, my next pick is going to be in the matchup. This is where things get a little bit tougher for me. I'm going to go ahead and take. Hmm. I'm going to take in the main event, in the Kumar Usman versus Leon Edwards matchup, Nick. We're diving into this one, right? This is an interesting fight in that if you technically count up all the rounds, one. Leon Edwards won three rounds, including that fifth-round knockout round. Usman won five rounds between the two fights that T2 have shared, right? They fought a total of, of eight rounds. So it's not as not comp- uncompetitive as some would lead you to believe. we got to consider that Leon Edwards landed more strikes, did a good job in that first round of their first fight, won that round on two of the judges' scorecards. He dominated him in the first round of their rematch, won that first round very clearly, took his back, if I remember correctly, got on top, took his back, but Usman's cardio was really kind of the thing that played into it. Also, his wrestling. The fact that Usman trains at elevation made that, that previous fight kind of in, in his comfort zone. Whereas 
Leon Edwards does not train in elevation. He doesn't have much experience there, right? So him getting tired is somewhat understandable, but he wasn't so tired so as not able, so as not to be able to land that knockout shot in the fifth round. He did it, man. He set up that head kick. It's not like he got it randomly. But we still got we still got to factor in Usman's ability to grind, his conditioning, fighting at elevation, right? It'll be it'll mean that if either guy gets tired, it's likely not going to be Usman. Now, a big ingredient in this is how badly was Usman's chin affected, his ability to take shots affected by this fight. Because I'll be honest with you, he was buzzed a few times in the few fights leading up to this matchup. And and I talked about how that's going to lead to a knockout sooner or later. Now, this was a clean shin kick, right? So it's not like a, uh, it's not like a testament against his chin overall. But the fact that he was rocked several times by Kobe Covington, the fact that he was dropped by Gilbert Burns, um, there was a mo- there was a moment against George Masvidal where, where where you could argue he was a little bit wobbled. That's a little bit concerning, right? Like leading in, I mean, this guy is is not he's not young. He's thirty five years old. It's at one seventy. It's not what not at one thirty five. So it's not as big of a kind of negative against him. But still, he's thirty five years old, coming off of the first knockout of his career. Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's a who's a friend of Usman's, who has the same management as Usman, has said before, you get a nasty knockout like that, you're never going to be quite the same. Now. Maybe he's not entirely the same, but does he still have the wherewithal to win this fight where the crowd will be against him? I think a lot of these variables make this matchup closer on paper. I've still got to go with Usman, though. I think that Usman, knowing that he's going to have success from top position, is a big factor. I'm concerned about the fact, when, as, as a guy who's picking Usman in this in our competition, I'm concerned about the fact that Edwards' confidence is through the roof right now. He's getting a lot of support. He's getting a lot of opportunities. And I don't think he's the kind of guy to get distracted and lose his focus and, and focus on other things. I think he's the kind of guy to kind of take advantage of that and use that uh, use the extra funding, the extra resources to his favor in this matchup, the extra confidence. Um, look, the, the odds are probably about where they should be, maybe a little bit closer. But I've got to go with Usman's ability to take him down consistently. Usman... Cardio-wise, should be several steps ahead. His ability to get takedowns in that fifth round should be better than it was in the first fight. That was that elevation. Even though Usman was controlling rounds two, three, and four, it doesn't mean that he didn't get tired because of the elevation, right? The elevation won't be a factor here. The crowd will obviously be in Edwards' favor, but I've got to go with uh, I've got to go with Usman here, who showed us that he can win five of three rounds against this guy. Um, as long, and Usman should know now more than ever: do not stand at the end of Edwards' long-range punches and kicks. Another thing is that Leon Edwards doesn't rock a lot of people. Yeah, he landed a clean shin across his head, but it's not like he can land punches and hurt Usman unless Usman's chin has been seriously affected. I'm going to assume that it has not been seriously affected. I'm going to assume that Usman is in a good place uh, and will be able to recover from maybe even a tough moment if he needs to. I'm picking Kamar Usman by decision here. I'm picking Leon Edwards. Um, Tell me more. I think... I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to make a lot of assumptions here. <clears throat> I think that... Edwards is going to have a very good first round again. But I also believe that Usman's one of those guys where his approach is a game of inches. But he does the same. He's not... Usman doesn't mix things up a ton. He's just really good at what he does. And he's very good at, at overall, at, at, staying, at staying out of trouble. But... What I think Ed, well, Edwards is a very cerebral, very smart fighter. And what I predict is going to happen is that if, when, not if, but when Usman takes, uh, takes some damage and Edwards gets some success and the crowd's going nuts in the first round, 
I think that Usman's going to start to rush things a little bit. And in some cases it may work. But as he's rushing things, he's going to get even more predictable. And Edwards is the kind of guy, like with the head kick knockout that he had, who can make Usman's power, right, Usman's explosiveness, work against him. That that knockout, that kick, it was a it was a, it was a strong head kick, but he didn't he didn't throw it super hard. He timed it perfectly when Usman was dipping down. Well, he set it up it's and just made like, him and made Usman he set it up and yes and made him do yes and made him do that. He. It's just like when Fiziev got when Fiziev got knocked out. Fiziev was 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 leaning to he was leaning to his right when he ate the spinning back kick. So he like leaned into the kick. I think that Edwards is going to force Usman to make those kinds of mistakes, and that his that Usman will fall for his setups, in part because he now knows what it's like to to wake up looking at the lights. I, I think that something well, I think that something has cracked, and that a striker that's that this is a very bad matchup for Usman. I really think he should have had a fight in between this to gain his confidence back to work his game because you're not just dealing with a, a pinpoint executioner of a kickboxer it's very very technical um but you're working with someone who's not you know who's who you're not going to probably take down as much as you're going to take down other opponents like he's a t- leon edwards is still a tough guy to take down he's a tough guy to hold down he's a good wrestler particularly for a british guy so I think, I think that the momentum has shifted, and that Edwards is uh, either going to finish, probably finish him again. I think in the third or fourth round. Um, but if he doesn't finish him, I think that he will have done enough kickboxing damage and stayed on his feet enough to probably win a split decision. Nick, how many takedowns do you think Kamara Usman has scored against Leon Edwards between their two fights? Oh boy. Uh, if you had to guess, I think he's. If I had to guess, I would say he's like seven for sixteen. Eleven takedowns landed in two fights. So out of how many attempts? Um, let me see. He had thirteen attempts in the first fight. But he, uh, wrestling attempts—it's a tricky thing. Rob Devashvili's attempted forty-nine takedowns in his last fight. He only landed eleven. A lot of those attempts are just setups for further attempts. It's not necessarily right. like so, like he's yeah. genuinely trying. So, he uh, okay, so that's takedowns. that's like one. Okay, so that's like so that's one point three takedowns per round. Right. Which and he's also shown the the fact that he can control the man. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I said those these odds should be a little closer. Um, I can see Leon Edwards again, cons- assuming if Kamar Usman is not the same guy. I can see Leon Edwards winning this fight, but we got to look at this seriously, right? Like like the 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 amount of control that Usman has had. Leon Edwards had two minutes of control in the first round. Usman had a minute 21. Usman had a minute, tw- 40 con- a, mi- a minute 40 control in the second round. Three and a half minutes in the third round. He had almost three minutes in the fourth round of control. He had a minute 19 seconds in the fifth round of control. This might be control, by the way, including uh, including uh, against defense. But the bottom line is it's not like Leon Edwards is quick to get up. And that's one of the concerning things. But... Would I blame you for making this two-point pick if, if you ended up making this pick? Now I, I see where you're coming from. It's just surprising that you're this confident, but I'm very intrigued, especially with you. I mean, it's a, well, it's easy for me to be this confident when I don't have a pick on the line. That's true. Like it was I your pick. That. I'm just you know. I hear that. Um, 
So oh, it's my pick now because after you went on for seven hours talking about that fight. Hey, main um, events, man. I dive into them. You know this. Come on. I do my research. Fair enough. Fair enough. Welcome to the MMA Geeks. Uh, all right. In this, there's, gonna, there's going to be a kickboxing fight between the Brit Jay Herbert and uh, Ludovic Klein. And they're both they're both pretty snazzy. I think, you know, Herbert's a little, uh, a little flashier and Klein is more pinpoint. Um, but the problem is that Herbert's Klein has a much better chin than Herbert does. And they're both, and they're, they're both going to land. I don't see Herbert trying to turn this into a grappling match. Um, and if, if there were, if we're just talking that this is a straight kickboxing bout, um, I gotta believe that, um, Klein, I think that Klein's going to hurt him. I'll be surprised if this doesn't end in a finish. So you think uh, Klein was the fight? It's tricky because Jake Herbert, obvi- uh, Jay Herbert, obviously is super tall. He's like six one to something like five seven, I think. So significant height and reach advantage. He throws really, really dangerous strikes with his hands and his legs. Super risky if you're standing across from him, and he's got a higher output than does Ludovic Klein. Now Ludovic Klein showed in his last fight that he can get takedowns if he needs to. He can control a guy from top position if he needs to. If he goes for this game plan against a guy who doesn't have very good takedown defense, he can win this fight. But there is risk here. Ludovic Klein has, has slipped on some fights that he, on paper, should have won, where he was a big, pretty, pretty big favorite. He's not necessarily the most consistent guy on the planet. So definitely a risk here, but I, I see where you're coming from. I don't think you're making the worst pick. I don't know if I would have made it quite this early. My next pick is going to be... Wait, let me let me retort. Yes. Please. Um... I, and for me, this really comes down to durability. Like, Klein's really yeah, durable. That, yeah, it's true. He's not one to get just taken out of there in, in, a, in an instant. It's just Jay Herbert has had success against... Uh, who's that Georgian fighter at this uh, who, who ended up knocking him out? And he literally dropped him with a head kick. Um, I forget his name. He's, he's one of my guys. He's like one of the guys that, I'm, that I've been really watching. Let me, let me look at Jay Herbert's record quickly. And investigate this night because this is worth discussing because that that's like the only level of success that any UFC to, fighter has had. Taporia to, against Taporia. Yes. Yep, that's it. No, he knocked down Taporia. I don't remember that, dude. Oh that wait, no, I do remember that. Like almost knocked yeah, him yeah. out clean. Taporia is just like superhuman, and that's the only thing that saved him. That should have been Jay Herbert's fight. Had Jay Herbert landed out on anyone else on planet Earth, it was insane. I think given Ludovic Klein's low output, given that he doesn't pressure that well, and Jerry Herbert is not, uh, he, he, respo- he doesn't respond well to pressure fighters. He responds well if you're standing in front of him, giving him time to think and set things up. Ludovic Klein might just do that. If he goes for takedowns, he should do well. But if he doesn't, man, this is a 50-50 fight, maybe even, maybe even a slight edge to Jay Herbert, um, despite the kind of uh, durability edge that Ludovic Klein has. I agree with the Ludovic Klein pick, um, just l- a little bit less confidently, I think, than you are. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Sam Patterson and Yanal Ashmaz. Um, there's a decent odds disparity here, and it's because Patterson seems like a legit prospect. Um, he's 6'3", has a 78-inch 70 inch reach for lightweight. That's huge. Not the best takedown defense because he stands up pretty tall, and I can see that being the kind of weigh-in for Yanaz uh, to potentially do okay in this fight. But Yanaz is... Like I'm not sure that he's going to be able to keep him there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to uh, to to actually like score enough points to to negate the damage that Patterson's going to land on him. The front choke series on on Patterson's really good. The guillotine, the dark choke. He fights well close and far, right? So even in a close range where you're putting pressure on him, he can do some damage brawling in close. And he's pretty well rounded overall. He looks like a dynamic prospect. I don't like these odds because 
you know, you have a you have a guy coming into his UFC debut at this big of a favorite. Like we've seen guys shit the bed in this situation. The bright lights, a huge crowd. This is not like a local show. This is not the UFC. Well, you just you just picked one of them last weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know I did, but it, it probably wasn't Dumas. super early. Yep. Um, so so yeah, I like I like Sam Patterson here as long as he's in a good headspace. He should do well against Yanaz Ashmaz. But Yanaz Ashmaz could just score some takedowns and win on points. Who knows? Can you say that guy's name like five more times? Yanal Ashmoz, I think, maybe. I, I say it differently every time. Go ahead, Nick. You were like, Yanaz Ashmoz. <laughs> it's like, like Ralph Mouth from Happy Days. I have no idea who Ralph um, Mouth is, but I'm familiar with Happy Days. He was one of the main guys on Happy Days, one of the friends. It was it was like Richie, Potsy, Monday, Tuesday, Ralph Mouth, Happy Days. And the Fonz. Thursday, Friday, and, happy days. I miss Wednesday. Sometimes, sometimes Chachi. All right, what you got next? Um, you already did. You already pick Hadley. No. No, you didn't. Interesting. Um. Oh boy. There's a reason. For I that. think I'm. I think I'm gonna go. Oh, this is gonna be such a fucking <laughs> fight. I'm going to go with the co-main event here. Is that Vittori the Leeds? No. No? The co-main it's event co-main. is Gagey, Go- oh, Gagey right. Fiziev. Of course. That's a great fight on paper. Um, be fun to watch. They're bo- those are both great fights. They're, I have a lot to say about Vittori the Leeds. But um, right. I think this is a case of... A guy who's a, a there's a guy who's lost in two title fights against a guy who's hungry for his first title fight, and yes, Gagey is dangerous. Gagey's like super dangerous, heavy, heavy kicks, heavy hands. But Rafael Fiziev um, is almost as powerful, and faster, and more technical. Now. Gagey has an opportunity here if he tries to use his wrestling, but when if, when's the last time we saw Justin Gagey try to use his wrestling? I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen it, to be honest. And I've it's, watched uh, him from WSOF. He probably did at some point. It's This is going to be a stand-and-bang fight, and the fact of the matter is that in those kinds of fights, Fiziev's chin has held up better than Gagey's has in in recent years. Gagey gets hurt all the time. And we're, we're talking about a guy in Fiziev who, yeah, he took, he took his loss. He had a loss very similar to Islam Makachev's where he just, he made a mistake and he ate one. Um, but we haven't really seen him make, you know, make a lot of mistakes um, in, his, in his last few fights. So I, I think this is a, a crazy war and that Fiziev probably is able to close it out in the second round. But this also may be one of those fights where both guys end up like zombies. And I'm not going to talk myself out of the pick because I feel good about Fiziev. Even though Gagey would be a, is, a, is a an extra points underdog, um, you know, we've seen Gagey go zombie and then still win. We haven't seen Fiziev hurt that bad where that, where that, has, to, where that has to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, uh, Fiziev's UFC debut being the exception—that was a spinning heel kick to the dome. Yeah, but he didn't go zombie. He, I mean, also, I thought that I thought that stoppage was a little weird, but um, 
because he went down and then he turtled and he was getting ground and pounded, but it wasn't that bad. And the, his opponent just got up and walked away. Yeah. And the, and the referee stopped it. I thought it was a little weird. Um, I mean, not really that much different from from Makachev's you know uh, defeat, but uh, I just don't know how many of his nine lives Gagey has left, and I think I I just think Fiziev is going to be able to land more and land faster. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? Again, it's it's on paper a close fight. I think there might be a two point opportunity. Given that Gaethje's like such a big underdog, it's a little bit surprising given the level of competition that he lost to, right? His losses, his last two losses in this handful of fights are to Khabib Nurmagomedov and Charles Oliveira. What do these guys have in common? Elite grappling. Clearly Gaethje can't survive in there with an elite grappler. We've seen that. We've also seen that Gaethje's going to have trouble against a really experienced veteran, a crafty, skilled veteran who is going to have high output and damage his body earlier in his UFC career against Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez. I wouldn't say that Fiziev necessarily fits And either. Michael Johnson until, you know, he won that fight, but Michael Johnson hurt him bad. Well, well, well and I'll get to that, but Michael Johnson had his moments in that fight, no doubt, but, but the fights that he lost were to either elite grapplers or when he was very young in his, in his career relative to now against guys who were just leagues above experience-wise, output-wise, knew the tricks of the trade that would open up the opportunity for them to beat Gaethje. And I think Poirier probably learned some of that from the Eddie Alvarez fight uh, against Gaethje. And then you you mentioned Michael Johnson, right? He got hurt against Michael Johnson pretty badly. It's not counted as a knockdown. He got buzzed badly. Michael Chandler and buzzed him several times. Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson knocked him down. It's not counted as a knockdown, which is kind of wild to me. But he dropped that him. Was, that was a knockdown, a huge, yeah. Over a huge uppercut, yeah. Charles Oliveira dropped him. So the fact of the matter is, I just did the math as you were talking, Nick. Over under 600 strikes that he's that he's taken in his UFC career. Justin Gaethje, what do you think? Over under. Oh. In his UFC career? Yeah. I mean, some of these fights have been short, True. but the... I think he's... No, there's Poirier, there was Alvarez... I think over. I think he's taken over 600 strikes. 755 strikes he's taken in his UFC career. I just mentioned several times in which he's been buzzed or dropped. That's the thing. At age 34, turning 35 this year, right? Because he has a 30-year-old guy. He just turned 30. He's the prime in many ways. I think there's questions to doubt his durability, but there's questions to doubt Faziev's cardio. Because when Faziev starts to get tired... He performs really well. I talk about this all the time, where some fighters are able to do this. Some fighters are not. They fall apart when they get tired. Fazeev is the kind of guy who gets tired. He will guarantee to get tired because everything he throws is with 100% effort. And the thing with Fazeev is that he fights really well through being tired. And that's like a superpower. That's like a knowledge that so many fighters don't realize, that, that don't have. So many coaches are not teaching this. The idea of fighting through tired, the idea of putting your fighter into a situation where they're expending exorbitant amount of energy and still forcing them to fight past the point of being exhausted because you can get practice doing that you can get good doing that it takes more effort you can still put out the same level of power as we saw with Faziev who I believe if I'm not mistaken lost the fourth round to Rafael Dos Anjos only then to knock him out in the following round right so he looked like he was getting tired looked like the pressure of, of RDA was coming on but he still was able to fight through that and get that win so as much as Faziev is going to be tired Gaethje's going to be pretty fresh having gone through it as long as he's standing right he's going to be okay cardio wise having trained at elevation for the majority of his career 
uh, training. It's a three round. It's a three round fight, though, not a five round. It is, and and that's fair. And it's it's to Fazeev's credit that he's been that he's been uh, that he fought five rounds recently. Um, we all know that that Fazeev trains at Tiger Muay Thai, which is a really solid gym with a lot of high level fighters flowing through there from all over the world. The Roman the leads, I believe, did his training camp in in that gym as well, leading up to this matchup. So, so look, um, I th- I think I think all else being equal. Maybe a sliders to Fiziev, but given the two points, I may have gone toward Gaethje. Um, I, I just think like the amount of damage that Gaethje's taken facing a serious striker, that's that's a big factor. Yep. But there's no if I mm-hmm. if I already hadn't like rolled on a on those two other underdogs, I would be doing the yeah, same thing. And the reason why I picked Barbarina over this one is because three points versus two. I, I do I do get that, um, uh, but but I just think Justin Gaethje has a higher chance than Barbarino's, even though Barbarino has certainly has a chance given the right circumstances. Given I think you're I think you're pro I think you're probably right, but I wasn't gonna, I I decided to bet on those on the three point. No, I, I, I don't I don't blame you, man, and, uh, and and I respect you for taking a couple of swings on on some underdogs that have a better shot than those odds suggest. So uh, largely the same page there. Um, I see. I see why you made that pick. All else being equal, probably a slight edge to Fiziev, but with these odds, I probably would have edged Justin Gaethje slightly. My next pick is going to be in the matchup. Huh. Come on, man, spit it out. I, what are you making? That you didn't do your homework. You're making this shit up on the fly. Well, yeah, I'm just looking at this list, and I'm not. I'm not seeing people. I think I'm going to take for three points for for a flyer, and I might change my pick by the end of this week. But I think I'm going to take Malcolm Gordon to beat Jake Hadley. Jake Hadley is a serious southpaw boxer. He's got good. He's got pretty good wrestling. Not defensively the best, but pretty good offensive wrestling. Has a chip on his shoulder. Apparently, he got into an argument with some UFC staff uh, in his contender series bout. But he can be held down by a serious grapplers. We saw with Alan Nascimento in his UFC debut. And Malcolm Gordon, he doesn't have the best chin at all. In fact, he is a slow starter. But he starts to come on against a guy who has that kind of opening. Mountain Gordon might be able to get takedowns, might be able to ride out top position and get a decision here, given Jake Hadley's trouble against Nascimento. Now, having said that, Nascimento's a really, really serious grappler. Malcolm Gordon is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Maybe not as not as good as Nascimento. Pretty good there. Um, but I've got to go for the three points here, man. I think I think this opportunity, I think Jake Hadley's overrated a little bit by by the hype. He lost his UFC debut like fairly handedly. And and I think a lot of people are giving him a little more credit than he deserves given his experience. He doesn't have experience in the situation. He's a, this is a home game for him, which is to his credit, but outside of that, I, I don't have enough confidence in him. Ballsy on the three-pointer. Thank you, sir. I, I like it. I assume you um, disagree with the, with the three points there. No, I, th- I, under- I understand, and I thought about it, too. Yep. Um, what you got next? You know, Had- Hadley, Hadley is nine victories. He's a little bit of a, was a little bit of a can crusher. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that, that's a part of it as well. This is not a, uh, this is not a can that he's fighting here. This is a guy that against a prospect who's not ready and has holes has taken advantage of, of this in the past. Again, won the second round against Makayev. Not a whole lot of rounds in Makayev's career that he's lost. A handful, a few, but not a whole lot, right? Like he was a giant underdog in that bout, and Makayev had to kind of have a comeback to beat him. So he's more capable than the odds suggest. Um. I'm going to go with the, the only main card fight that we haven't picked yet. We've got a middleweight bout between two European, like, I don't even know what to call these guys. Just Is thugs. Georgia, is Just Georgia like, Europe? Isn't it? I don't know. I wouldn't think so. Maybe is Europe. it not considered Europe? Eurasia? Anyway. anyway um, yeah. Like, these are two brutes. 
and I think it's I think I'm surprised Vittori took the matchup. Um, and he's heavily favored. I think more heavily than he potentially should be. But the fact of the matter is Vittori does something that the Leeds is not great at dealing with, which is Vittori is a good offensive wrestler who can get takedowns. And the Leeds had to deal with that with Trevin Giles and lost. And, like, Trevin Giles is a very good wrestler, but he's small. He's not that great of a wrestler, and, honestly. Well, he took down Roman DeLeeds a lot. Um, <laughs> so, and then Jack Hermanson also took him down, but he was able to beat up Hermanson. If I remember correctly, Hermanson took him down. Um, and, like... Trevin Giles has Dele- credit for one takedown against DeLeeds, for the record. It was a super close fight, could have gone either way, but he has credit for one takedown. They each do, actually. Got it. Um... I think that Vittori is going to be able uh, to take him down. I think he's probably a tiny bit faster. Um, they're bo- they both are incredibly durable, but I I just think that um, I think that Vittori's offensive wrestling should be the edge in this fight. That and the fact that his chin is just I mean they're they're both made of granite, but like even if Vittori's wrestling um, is you know is giving him the edge uh, up against the fence, etc. Um, and Delete's like cracks him. I just don't see Vittori blinking. The guy can. The guy is just. We have not. We have not seen right against. Maybe a tiny bit against Whitaker. Not really, but against Whitaker with eight eight rounds against Adesanya, um, fighting people who hurt and fit. Vittori has fought and done a lot of rounds with finishers, and we haven't really seen this. Oh no. Is it, are they going to get Vittori out of here? Moment. Like, right. it hasn't occurred. Right. And, and like, that's usually how Delides like, wins is just by, like, bar, like barbarian virtue. <laughs> and I don't think, I don't think that's enough to get rid of Vittori. I think, the, I think these guys are similar in a lot of ways. And that just, I think Vittori is just more elite. So- and not as sloppy. I think Delides, I think Delides can get, be really sloppy and end up in, like, very bad positions. So this is another fight in which I would have strongly considered. I'm sure you considered it too, the, the two-point underdog pick. If he, if Dolides yep. was just a slightly bigger dog, I would have picked him by now. Dolides is super dynamic, dude. Like, you're talking about him, him, him like, like powering his way through Jack Hermanson. Dude, he didn't power his way through a thing. He outslicked that guy on the ground. Jack Hermanson is known as a great grappler. He completely outslicked him on the ground. It was incredible to watch, dude. He went from... Um, he went from an armbar from his back to a reverse triangle choke, which he almost got, to a heel hook, to a calf slicer, locked in the calf slicer, knocked him around with his giant fists, um, basically having taken his back with a calf slicer in place. Like, that was extremely slick. In the first round, he got taken down. And granted, to your point about him, him giving up takedowns, that's a fair point for this matchup. In the first round, he got taken down. But again, good grappler, Jack Hermanson, Turned them over within like a minute or so of, of having been taken down. Dude's really good grappler. He's like a Eurasia champion in, in uh, ADCC or something along those lines. And I really underestimated his grappling leading into his last two fights. The way that he submitted Phil Hawes, it was like a knee bar, but from the side, which I'm not even sure what it tore on Phil Hawes, but it tore something, man. That guy's damaged for a while from that. On top of that, he knocked out Phil Hawes. He basically finished him twice. Um... Submitted Jacker, got Hermanson in a submission, and then pounded him out in the submission. That's unbelievable shit. He he broke Kyle Dawkins' face, man. Now, 
prior to June 18th, uh, 2022, he wasn't like the most dynamic looking fighter. He was 3-1 and one in the UFC with wins over guys of limited skill and talent, but he's really seemingly coming into his own. Now, there's some interesting dynamics here. One is we got Vittorio's a southpaw facing a switch stance fighter and Dolitz who's going to spend some time in southpaw in this matchup, presumably. Um, we got the Extreme Couture link. Roman Dolitz trained at Extreme Couture up until recently, left the gym, had some issues with, I don't know who, I don't know if those coaches or fighters or, or the owners, left the gym, trained in Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket, Thailand, for this uh, training camp. In the meantime, guess who popped up at Extreme Couture and started training there full-time? Marvin Vittori. Fascinating, right? Vittori's training partners and coaches have the uh, kind of lowdown in Roman Dolitz, presumably. Um, I, I just feel like with Marvin Vittori realizing that he's not going to be the best, he's lost to the two best guys. And granted, he's had success against everyone else. Him not being a finisher, I think Dolitz was worth a two-point rider here. But I understand why you're making the pick. Um, I, I do think like there's something to be said about the fact that Marvin Vittori is unfinishable and Roman Dolitz really is a big finisher, and that's what he relies on to win fights. Marvin Vittori is a high output striker. Roman Dolitz is not. Roman Dolitz, you know, waits for the right opportunities and lands some big shots, and he's getting better there. But, you know, the decision probably will go to Marvin Vittori if it gets there, and Marvin Vittori is really hard to finish. So all has been equal, slight edge to Marvin Vittori. Outside of that, you, you got to edge at these odds. you gotta you got to invest in Roman Dolitz because he's shown that he can really finish. Also, what we've seen consistently for several years now is that these Georgian fighters as underdogs are going to come through more often than not. Like, there is something in the water in Georgia that these boys were drinking uh, uh, growing up, Nick, that is having just a monumental effect on their athleticism, on their cardio. Um, you, you know, you made a joke off-air about, about Devashvili and EPO. Roman Leeds is just a bruiser. He's a bruiser who's getting technical. He's a bruiser with slick grappling. So, uh, you know, there's reason to be trepidations about it. There's a reason why this is so late in our picks. So I, I think you and I both had our kind of doubts in this in this one. But uh, It's I, a very, very hard one to call. They are. I've used brutes, bruisers. This is too, I mean, <laughs> this is one of those fights where it's, as, as Gorilla Monsoon used to say, the irresistible force meets the immovable object. Yeah, yeah. And look, an intriguing matchup. I hope the leads as well because the leads hasn't faced the upper echelon yet. If you could beat this guy. We're talking about a, a matchup against, like, a Robert Whitaker next, right? We're talking about, like, a different league of opposition. We're talking about main events uh, on, a, on a big fight night or co-main events on a UFC pay-per-view next. So th this could be a big, big step up for Ramundo Leeds, and he might be one fight away from a title shot if he can pull this off over Vittori. Whereas Vittori um, if he wins, yeah. I, you know what? The winner of this fight, regardless, should fight Shemaev. Shemaev? Uh, I, I guess I'm fine with that. I'd, I'd prefer to see Shemaev, although I guess... He's a 185. Yeah, I think I think Chimaev against the other guy is good. I would prefer Chimaev versus Vittori over Dolitz, Uh because uh, like I could see these guys fighting for a title, maybe him and Dolitz, if Dolitz can come out with the win here. But either way, Chimaev against the winner makes a lot of sense to me. I'm on the same page with you. Next, Nikolai. I'm going to... This was your pick, right? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take... I'm going to take... Christian Leroy Duncan. We have two Chris Duncans on this card, Nick. Um, I'm going to take Christian Leroy Duncan to beat Dusko Todorovic. Christian Duncan, he's super athletic, really dynamic, moves well, um, really just explosive striker, throws some insane stuff that he gets knockouts with. Works with Phil Hawes in Thailand, so like his grappling part of his game should be kind of work in progress in, in the right direction. 
but he gives up takedowns, gives up takedowns, and he's not great at getting up to his feet after that. He's got a 17 and six amateur Muay Thai record, seven and zero pro record. Uh, sorry, 17 and six amateur MMA record, seven and zero pro record. Um, Dusko Todorovic, man, he has he's a win over Michelle Pereira, and then he came into the UFC and he's got a three and three record. And what we saw in his first couple of UFC fights, in which he looked pretty decent, was that his chin is super high up and he's extremely hittable. He's a pressure guy. He'll take you in that clinch and rough you up there, but his confidence is not where it used to be. And so I don't have enough confidence in him. I know he's the guy with experience, but he's facing a hometown guy who seems to on paper have, have, a, have a lot of, um, a, a, a lot, uh, uh, like a lot going his way as far as like his talent. Dusko Todorovic had trouble taking Jordan right down. Um, that's, that's concerning because he's a terrible grappler. So I'm going to assume that Duncan can defend enough takedowns and, and get the win here. I'm hoping because I think Duncan on paper at least has the higher ceiling than does Todorovic. And Nick has left us for good. You have mute on. No, my mic, my mic, my mic was a little tweaked. Yeah, I am. Listen, I just look at Todorovic and I'm just like, you are the second coming of Stefan Struve. And I, <laughs> the way he keeps his head up. He also looks so like Stephen Struve. I know, he does look like Stephen Struve. Um, really, in fact, I don't think in my brain that I can actually picture one without like, rendering the other. I hear that. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on that pick. This next pick I'm going to make is a tough one because I am really drawn to the underdog pick of uh, Dread, Luana Carolina. Mostly, uh, who's plus 150, so it'd be plus two points. Right. Who's going up against uh, Joanne Wood, the former Joanne Calderwood, who is oh, you know, has has uh, is on a three fight skid, lost four of her last five, uh, lost five of her last seven. Uh, if you go for if you go further back than that, all the way to 2016, um, she's lost seven of her last eleven, and. Yeah, but the difference is, is like, she doesn't have an L against a stinker. Like, it's hard. You look at this recent, this disappointing run, um, you know, since she got married and stuff, and it's like, okay, split decision, Lauren Murphy, Talia Santos, Alexa Grasso. Well, losses to Talia Santos and Alexa Grasso don't look so bad right now. Right. Um, You know, Jennifer Maya. Caitlin Chikagian, Cynthia Cavillo, Jessica Andrade. Like, she's losing to top five fighters only. The question is, does she have enough to, you know, to hold off a fighter that's lost, you know, to Arian Lipsky and, and Molly McCann um, in, her, in her home country? She's recently said that she's got only a year or two left in this game. She's got one fight on her contract after this one. I think this is probably going to be a split decision and really close. But I've got to believe that just performing for so long against the elite of the elite that Joanne Wood should have enough in the tank to win a decision against uh, Carolina Wana. Yeah, I mean... Joanne, it's just hard to gauge where she is at this point, right? Ever since she dropped the Calder from her name, she has not won a fight. 
I don't know if it's a more comfortable life uh, being married to, I think his name was John Wood, right? Uh, the, the trainer from Syndicate MMA. Um, maybe she's becoming more of a Yeah, mentor. but she's only fought she's only fought people that beat up Valentina Shevchenko since then, except for Lauren Murphy. Yeah. Look, like, I she's mean, only fought, right. Mur, you know, Murphy, And the, the Murphy Santos, decision was a split decision, to be fair. It was a close fight that could have gone away. He, she outstruck Lauren Murphy 123 to 80. Um, and But she lost to Jennifer Maia. She lost to Caitlin Shukagian. Her wins are over Andrea Lee and Jessica I, who are like really looking abysmal lately. Whereas Luana Carlina has shown that like she can get the occasional upset. Um, I know she lost to Molly McCann by knockout, but she wasn't doing so bad in that fight if I remember correctly. Molly McCann did get a couple takedowns, takedowns on her. I think that Joanne Wood, if she comes in at her best and she's a high output striker, gets that teep going, gets those straight punches going, um, gets her numbers out there, she's going to do okay in this fight. But Luana Carlina is a tall Muay Thai fighter herself. She's got experience in the stand-up region, right? She's notably younger. She was born in the 90s. Notably younger than is Joanne Wood. And and she's got wins over Lupi, Lupi Godinas, who's like a pretty freaking like solid prospect. Got a win over Pollyanna Botelia, which is not maybe as fan, not as fancy, but it's not a bad win. Got a win over Priscilla Cachorrera, who's who's been upset-minded and, and taken some upsets in, the, in her UFC career as well. Um, I tend to think you're right. It's just hard. It all depends on what version of Joanne Wood shows up here. She was determined if she's well, looking toward the, a future, it's one thing. Yeah. The other thing is she, she's fighting another kickboxer. True. The places where Wood, the places where Wood has been slipping, is she's been getting subbed. Yeah. She's been getting subbed or getting landing up on her back and not being able to get back up. That's true. Yeah. For the most part. So I don't see an enormous danger of that here. I just don't know how much speed she's lost. Um, well, she, she's never been super fast, and I don't know that Carolina's fast no, either. These but, are not the most athletic ladies, but they are tall, kind of lanky strikers. Um, and I just feel like this matchup, you're right. Like The UFC seems to be serving her up something. She could be going into her retirement fight. If that's the case, I think I'm going to pick Lorena Carolina. Assuming that she's going into her retirement fight, she's got one fight UFC fight left. You think UFC is going to resign her if she wins like a, like a semi-tepid decision against Lorena Carolina? And I don't know. It's a thin, it's a, it's a thin division. Maybe. It is. Uh, that's yeah. reasonable. She's got a bit of a name, at least with the hardcore fans. Um, I think based on the idea that Joanne Wood is seriously slipping, her confidence is slipping, her focus is, is devolving from her uh, from her MMA career, assuming that Luana Carlina is hungry, I'm going to give a slight edge to Luana Carlina at plus 160 for two points, but I totally understand. And I know I'm not getting the two points, but if I was... Yeah, I may... Up, I edge that way. Who knows? I may f- I may flip my pick on that yeah, one. Not because you convinced me, because it's it's just tough. It's because I convinced you. Uh, but but uh, no, I'm sure I'm sure it's not necessarily the case in this case, but um, I'm not sure. But, you know, you, you've copied my picks before, Nick. Let's fix it. Um, I just feel like Joanne Wood, it's hard to... If she's going into her retirement fight, i got to pick the other person. We've consistently seen now, including Roxanne Matafari, including Shogun... Um, and several others in the recent past where, like, you're going into a retirement fight, you're not in the right mindset. You don't have that hunger. You're not trying to persevere and work through tough moments. I'm not sure that Luana Carlin is going to put her in that position, but I don't have confidence uh, in Joanne Wood at this point in her no, career. As far as, as far as ripping off your picks, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, Nikolai, you know what? That, that might be one of the few reasons why you're actually uh, inching up and getting close to me in, in points, even though I'm clearly uh, still ahead. Nick? My final pick is going to be in the matchup between Juliana Miller and Veronica Hardy. Nick, I don't know if you knew that Veronica Hardy used to be Veronica Macedo. Do you know why she changed her last name? Because she's really pretty and didn't want me to be able to find her. She won. She is pretty, at least according to my taste and, and, and allegedly yours. She married Dan Hardy, Nick. This, 20, oh. this, this young 20, I don't know, probably 5-year-old lady when, when, when she married him, married almost 40-year-old Dan Hardy. Um, and so, like... 
is there a benefit to her that she's got you know an, MM, an MMA mind in her corner? Maybe um, Miller's a tough winner. She's uh, she's a really good grappler, but very green in MMA. Striking is kind of bad, and she like you hear her talking in interviews. She like wants to go out there and strike and believes her striking is good. It's not. Veronica Macedo is the better striker. Veronica Macedo also has like come out there and, and scored an armbar over uh, you know it, it, like on paper she's looked pretty bad on the ground but she scored an armbar over Pollyanna Viano who's supposed to be like a much better grappler than her so this is you know women's MMA crazy things happen and a lot of these matchups are closer than the outs suggest and I realize that Veronica Hardy's plus 320 uh, dog here and maybe there's a three point opportunity but given the fact that she is let me see one and four in her last five UFC fights in fact, that is her official UFC record. Um, it's hard to like assume that she's a much better fighter just because she's married to Dan Hardy. So I'm going to go with Juliana Miller, who's way less experienced, but has more upside on paper. And at least I know that she's like on the grappling scene. At least I know she's working on her game and, and developing and and and, uh, and and kind of looking toward a future as a serious prospect. She's 3-1 and one in her MMA career at this point. Um, you know, won that tough season uh, back in August. Uh, I'm going to edge her way. I think the odds are way too wide here. Um, at plus, minus 410 is crazy talk, but I'm going to pick Juliana Miller. I think that does it, right? That does it. We only have one fight that we haven't discussed, and that's Omar Morales versus Chris Duncan. What's your thoughts on that one? Oh, wait. There was one more? There was. I do my research, Nick. Uh. Do you? Do you, Nick, last? Uh, let me see. Yeah, Always. there are there are fifteen fights, and uh, that is one of them. Uh, have you ever heard of either of these two gentlemen, Nick? Yes, I've heard. I've watched. I've have you have you such a thing? <laughs> um, yeah, I've watched. I've watched Omar Morales fight. I don't think I've. I don't remember seeing Chris Duncan fight. Yeah, he was a. He's one of these contender series guys. Um, I haven't been that impressed by Morales when I've seen him. Yeah, Morales' big issue, like, first of all, he's 35, and moving between 145 and 155, trying to find his place, he's had kind of un- uneven performances in the UFC and matchups that he should have won, he on paper, he lost in matchups that he, uh, that, that he, that he should have lost, he, he, he won, well, m- maybe not, um, he lost to Uros Medic last time out, got knocked out, lost to Jonathan Pierce, no shame in that, lost to Chika Chikadze, also no shame in that. Um, and, and Giga Chikadze is, you know, a dynamic kickboxer and, you know, near the top of the division. He did beat Gabriel Medidez. Uh He's got a win over Shane Young, which, you know, Shane Young win didn't age too well. Dung Young Ma, he also beat, um, you know, not necessarily the greatest win of all time. But Gabriel Medidez is a decent win back in 2020. Um, I, th- I think I'm going to give him the slight edge over Chris Duncan. Duncan's just super hittable. He lost his, contender, his first contender series bout uh, by knockout when he basically stood in front of uh, Vacheslav Borashov, who, you know, has proven to be a decent UFC prospect who has some holes in his game. Um, and then he won his next contender series bout with a, with a, uh, with a, uh, he basically dropped Charlie Campbell and then ground and pound on him. But like in the first minute, minute and a half of that fight, he was kind of getting roughed up a little bit. So I'm going to go with Morales. He's low output and that's concerning. He's, probably at the end of his career, but he trains with a solid team. He's got UFC experience, um, and, and I think at minus 120, it's not the worst uh, edge to make. So I'm going to go with Omar Morales on this one, but it's hard to trust in, in a guy who's looked kind of as mediocre as he has in his last few fights. Granted, 
against higher levels of competition. Nick, that'll do it for that uh, one. I'm gonna, well, uh, I'm gonna just I'm, quickly. If you have any, that's thoughts, not your. That's not your. Is that your pick? No, it's or it's, is that? It's not. It's not. Their, that's, it's not. That's their a, pick. If that's if it's a backup pick. I would be taking Duncan. Yeah, if it's a backup pick, one of us would be taking one of these guys. But that, that's good to know. Got okay. it. So, so you you disagree with this one? Um, so for me, it's Omar Morales, and for and you disagree. Got it. So uh, last week's card, Nick Marab Dabashvili versus Pedroyan. What do you have to say? Oof. It was a little depressing. It was both... Uh, yeah, it was... It was awesome, but also depressing. Like, Jan did not look like he was ready for that. He looked surprised and bowled over and did not have any answer to um, to the pace and pressure. And uh, I thought that he would adjust. I thought that he would catch Marab at some point with something to hurt him but he looked completely ineffective it was an embarrassing I thought it was an embarrassing blowout it really was and the thing about the Balashvili the game plan was phenomenal man this is a guy with limitless cardio and you know there may be questions about EPO because I mean who the fuck can go for 49 like put some effort into 49 takedown attempts break the record by a good long margin um, if it's somebody, it's going to be somebody at 135, 125, right? But still, and this is a guy that's shown consistent cardio throughout his career, like really, really high-end cardio. But Peter Yan wasn't ready for the following. Robert Devashvili, first of all, is faster than Yan. I was aware of this. Yan is not the fastest guy in the world. Yan is a slow starter. He starts to pick it up in the rounds 2, 3, and 4, etc. The thing is that Marab basically was faster. His his uh, stand-up is better than it, than it was, right? He's been developing it. So he threw a fast jab cross. More often than not, it was a jab cross from Rob, which is really, like, that's his best combo by far. And every time Yan would try to counter, Marab would simply shoot under the counter. So it was a very simple game plan. When Yan is throwing punches, you shoot under it. Make him throw punches by giving him something to counter. It was brilliant, and it worked consistently every single time. And Yan was so tired of getting taken down and getting up that... At about at about early to mid-third round, it just looked like he was out of it, man. He walked back to that corner at the end of round three, and he was exhausted. He was breathing so hard. He wasn't ready for this. And I don't know, like, you know, it's a pretty bad look where you look at every one of Jan's losses, and one has looked like, one has always looked worse, worse than the last, right? Aljamain Sterling, the first one was an illegal knee. Man, you could argue that ruined his fucking career. Um, he was doing pretty well in the second half of that fight, and then he landed an illegal knee. Sterling put on an act and ended up taking the title from that situation. And then he gets a fight against Corey Sanhagen, beats Corey Sanhagen because Aljamain Sterling is injured. In a rematch against Sterling, Sterling edges him. Sterling wins a close first round, dominates two rounds, gets dominated in two rounds. And that close first round was what edged it for him because Piotr Rian is notoriously a slow starter. That hurt him in that one badly. Sean O'Malley, man. Sean O'Malley landed more strikes against him. A lot of people believe that Piotr Jan won the fight, and I did too at the time. Sean O'Malley did land more strikes. He did buzz him several times, and Piotr Jan's takedowns of control uh, in this day and age in MMA are not necessarily going to count as, as much as those strikes. So Sean O'Malley was a giant uh, favorite against. Aljamain Sterling, he was a big favorite against. Rob Devashvili, he was a decent-sized favorite against, and all three of these fights went in for eight from him. But this Marab fight is the first one that he clearly lost. Because if you look at his prior, even his loss early in his MMA career to Magomed Magomedov, if you look at that fight, you could easily score it for Pierre-Yan. It was basically control versus damage. Magomed being a good wrestler. And then he came back in a rematch and beat that guy up. Roughed him up, man. Made his UFC debut shortly after. Went on a huge win streak over guys like Uriah Faber, Jimmy Rivera, 
John Dotson, Douglas De Silva D'Andrage, uh, uh, Jose Aldo, right? Like, beat the who's who. Corey Sanigan has got a win over. So, by all means, looking like he could be, who could end up being, by the end of his career, the greatest 135 power of all time. Instead, this is what happens, man. This is a really bad look for him. But Marav Devashvili looks like a serious prospect. He talked after the fight uh, on the mic about how only him and Sterling really know who the best bantamweight on the planet is. I think there's a chance that he does really well against Sterling, dude. All these years of defending Sterling's submissions, his sub-defense is probably really good. He's probably the better wrestler. He has the cardio edge. Um, there's a chance that he does well against Sterling, man. And maybe there's a good reason why Sterling uh-huh. is like so willing to give up this division to his buddy. is because he probably understands that his buddy has some really good rounds against him and and deserves to be the actual champion. So it's it's fascinating. Marav Davashvili is, is uh, for good reason, number one contender at at this division. Yeah, we'll see, because I don't see Sterling having a great time at 145. No, I mean, look, against Volkanovski, very few people are going to have a great time, but Sterling... Against a lot of... Against a lot against Max, against Calvin Cater, I mean, that division... Um, is, I, I'm, the di- I'm, division's pretty loaded. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fascinated by a matchup against Max. Um, fascinated by any of that, honestly. I, w- I would love to see Sterling move up, but I do, I do hope for his sake that he gets this win over Cejudo, uh, because if he loses to Cejudo and it's and it's with constant takedowns, then we know that Marab Dabashvili is probably the better fighter between those two guys. Uh, it's a little bit more confirmation in that direction. But I actually, I mean, I think Cejudo. It, it depends on his age. Yeah, I think Cejudo is the only guy that I could see stopping stopping what Marab does or using it against him. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what what version of Cejudo we have. A guy that hasn't competed in multiple years a guy who i assume is now in his mid-30s he's got a family now it's a very different dynamic he's got a he's got a gym in which he's very involved in he's a great mma mind he's one of the best combat sports athletes multi-sport combat sports athletes of all time but i don't know what version of him is going to show up and also sterling keeps getting underestimated is it really like could it be Cejudo's 36 he's 36 years old dude at 135 that's not good dude you can't take three years off and, and age that much at 135 pounds and expect to come back and be the best. So, uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm curious where it goes. I'm curious how all of that shakes out. But Rob Devashvili might just be the best 135-pounder on planet Earth. Based on that performance, you would think so. But it's interesting because he had a hard time against Jose Aldo in the first round then held him and did almost no damage in the second and third rounds. Um, kind of makes you wonder, is like maybe Piotr is just slipping more than Marab. Uh, Marab is clearly great, uh, elite bantamweight. Maybe Perian is slipping to a more uh, to a higher degree than we realize. And then outside of that, Alexander Volkov ran through uh, Alexander Romanov, who is clearly oh my just God. falling apart. Nikita Krylov ran through Ryan Spann, who can't make a good Roman. What the fuck? Ro- I've yeah. never, I haven't seen a guy quit the way that Romanov quit. I mean, he, he was quit. unable to get that one takedown yeah. and just completely gave up. Yeah, he was like, "Well, that didn't work out, and I guess I don't. I guess I don't know how to strike." Yeah, so. Just completely he took up. one body. He took one body shot and was done. Yep, yep. And and you you noted that he came in pretty fat on that weigh-in. He was looking in shape leading up to this one, and and that turned out to be a major major factor in this matchup. Both but we up. saw his heart with his with the Espino win, which I thought he did, which I thought he lost. Well, yeah. He, um, if it would have if it would have played out, he very likely would have lost that third round to Espino. Uh, therefore losing that fight. But that's the thing. Like I talked about previously, how guys like Khabib against Gleason Tibau, he had that argue, arguably should have lost that fight, but he got a win and he learned from it and he like shored up some of those weaknesses. Roman Delead's, uh Alexander Romanov tried to shore up those weaknesses, but then he just kind of gave up on it. He's showing major, major mental weakness in the way that he performed. And he seems so comfortable taking the loss, which is really disappointing. Ryan Spann, 
went right into Nikita Krylov's triangle and deserved every moment of it. He's just such a low MMA IQ fighter. This this argument about him being uh, him being a new fighter now that he has real training camps is bullshit. The guy's an idiot. The guy the guy has a lot of offensive talent, but defensively is completely porous. Uh, then we got Jonathan Martinez. You called this upset. Probably should have gone Saeed Nurmagomedov's way. Uh, MMA Decisions has it predominantly for Saeed Nurmagomedov. But Saeed Nurmagomedov, given his last name, is getting a lot of credit as a big favorite, and he probably shouldn't. Um, what else was on there? David Anything Grant, Rafael Sunsell was a was a great fight. Carl oh Williams man, was that was a yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a great fight. Agreed. Um, um, re- really good fight. The, the referee stand up was a weird dynamic there. Um, but but David Grant is just such a finisher, and Rafael Sunsell in the last leg of his career just didn't have enough for him. Um, I, I just want to shout out. Mario. That was that's got to be the only sorry the only head kick. Wasn't it a head kick knockdown to a reverse triangle? Yeah, it was an inverted, <laughs> like, inverted triangle choke. Yeah, I think it yeah, was. I think yeah. it was the head kick. He, he rocked him with the head kick, partially blocked if I remember correctly. And then Mario Batista, man, again, Guido Quinetti's not not a proper opponent for him. The guy needs to fight that top fifteen level of competition. I'm curious how he does because his previous steps up in competition didn't go well, but his grappling looks really really good. We got two serious uh, contenders uh, on this card. Uh, two serious prospects in Vitor Petrino, who is now eight and zero, and Carl Williams, who is now eight and one. Both of these guys showed surprising like. Carl Williams, we saw good wrestling on Contender Series, but man, he just dominated this fight um, against Lucas Presky, who's like a pretty, pretty, uh, he's a skilled guy. Like, the, the guy has been underestimated, arguably won his UFC debut against a really tough opponent. Uh, Vitor Petrino, man, outgrappled the grappler and Anton Turjak, and he's a dynamic, explosive striker on top of that. Um, Bruno Silva got a quick win over Tyson Nam, and I think that's about all that deserves to be mentioned. Oh, JJ, JJ Aldridge looked like shit against Arian Halipski. I don't she know really what's up with man. that. Uh, she she's never one to come back from a tough moment, and she just looks good sometimes in first rounds against really good opposition. Not in this fight, man. In this fight, she was just completely outstruck by Ryan Lipsky, who looked Vict- yeah looked like she was bummer. like at the top of her, her career now training at King's MMA. Uh, Victor Henry beat Tony Gravely in a in a competitive fight. That, that was that was a good one. That was a fun one. There is is the thing on this card was, I mean, led by Marab, obviously, but. Um, there were some very high-paced fights. True, true. This card. It would have been a very different card at elevation, uh, but which which is kind of a weird thing to mention here. But like, uh, but I agree. I, I think the high pace on a lot of these guys really made a difference, including including Carl Williams, uh, Nikita Krylov, Ryan Spann was an insane pace. Rob Davishvili, of course. Martina Said was a pretty uh, pretty high paced fight. Yeah, there, there were a lot of Victor Henry's a high paced fighter. You're right, man. Bruno Silva put it on Tyson Nam. Nikolai, that'll do it for this one, man. I'm looking forward to watching this card. I think like a couple of these underdog picks might be the difference here, one way or the other. Either they they both miss for you, or you. I think you're likely enough to pick up one of them. In all likelihood, that that two pointer. Um, I'm curious how this shakes out, but there's a good uh, chance, I'm, Nick, I'm, that this time next week you are ahead uh, on our scorecards. I'd like to be tied or ahead. What's? Hang on, I just want to look real quick and see what's after this. Oh Jesus, we got Vera Sandhagen. That's going to be a fucking bloodbath. Fantastic. Um. And also, there's some other good good fights on that card. Um, it's okay. Oh, Steven Peterson back in action. Steven Peterson? Um, you thought Steven Peterson's the guy to mention? No. What the hell is wrong with No, him? I don't know. It's not, I just think it's funny that he goes what by Steven. Um, we got um, Nate Landwehr uh, on that card. Um, you got Alex Ch- Perez, Matt Chidi Andrew Oh, yeah. That, that's for, uh, Versus and, Albert Andrew Lee, interesting. Andrew, Andrew Lee, Lee, Macy Barber. Barber. I don't know why Holly Holm, uh, Yana Santos is... The uh, 
co-main event. Oh, Yana Santos uh, married Tiago Santos. That's so sweet. That's the first I've heard of it. I love that. They're they're such a they're such a cute couple. Um, Nikolai. Outside of that, we have. Uh, yeah, I think that's about all that's really worth mentioning. Not a bad card, like a, a, a mid-level UFC fight night card. Not quite as bad as we had early in the in the year, but I think we got a, a pretty dynamic fight card coming up. So I'm excited for this London one. Yeah, I mean, Vera Sanhagen is going to be. That's going to be all five oh, rounds with those yes. two yes. maniacs. Yes. Super excited. Absolutely all right, my friend. Well, watch what's going to happen is I'm going to find myself seven points back again. I love that this is competitive. I love that it's back and forth. And you know what, Nick? I wouldn't mind uh, showing that I can be scrappy and kind of come back from uh, fr from uh, uh, from you leading. So let's see how that checks out. You're such an asshole. You're like, hey, hey, Bracha, how about I train bottom position for a while? All right, fuck you. We'll talk next well, week. Well, Nick, when your league's above somebody in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you got to give them top position. <laughs> Later, bud.